הרני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים המיתים שדרנו, לכל הצדיקים המיתים שוכני עפר הקדוש משבר עצמה. ובפחד רבנו הקדוש, תדיקי סדון אמנחנו ומקורו. מה רבנו נחמן פייג בן שמחה? נא נח נחמן נחמן אומן זוכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן. שברוך השם. Today we start a new סימן לשיחות הרן. Lesson 54. After talking about אמונה. Talking about תפילה last... last podcast, last episode, um, and the glory of Hashem Itbach. Now we enter a new topic, something about Hashem Itbach that is incredible, about the renewal of Hashem in the Siman uh, Nun Dalet. In lesson 54, we're going to discuss this right now. Hashem Itbach never does the same thing twice. This is important to understand because Hashem Yidbach is constantly renewing himself also, which gives us the understanding that just like Hashem renews himself, we too must emulate Hashem and do the same. Um, they say the same thing about Rabenu, that Rabenu was also um, very, uh, every time he said something, he never repeated it again. With uh, Rabenu, this is what he told Rabbi Natan at the beginning, he said, pay attention very closely because you will never hear the same thing twice from me. And uh, many times Rabenu said something, After that, he never repeated it again. Rabbi Natan said his words were lost. Because at that time, nobody uh, was paying attention to this or that. So thanks to Rabbi Natan that he took all those moments in which Rabbeinu said those things which were just in passing or just in that moment. In which Rabbeinu intended never to say the same thing again because Rabbeinu was always moving from level to level. He never wanted us to remain in the same place that he was in the moment before, the day before especially. So Rabbeinu said, if I'm not different the next day, if I'm not... If I don't move to the next level, the next moment, I have no reason to live. We see here Rabbeinu is constantly renewing himself. This is something that we have to strive for as well. And this is a, an amazing quality of Hashem, of God Himself, who never does the same thing twice. Because even if you want to talk about reincarnations, how souls get recycled, it's not really recycling because it's not the same thing, but essentially how souls get reincarnated. Brought back up, brought back down into this world, again another time after another time, wherever it might be. Even with regard to reincarnations, that soul never gets reincarnated a second time in the same combination. It's only the only the first time they brought down was that nefesh, which is the vital aspect of the soul. The soul there's many levels to the soul. There's nefesh, ruach, neshama, whatever it might be. So Rabbeinu was saying the first time it comes down, it comes down with this nefesh and, and this type of ruach, right? Etc. To each and every one according to the specifics of that soul. That's brought down in Shara Gilgunim, you know? Nimza, Shara Gilgunim, Perikbet, or the second uh, gate over there. So we see that when it gets reincarnated, it never gets reincarnated with the same nefesh and ruach as it did beforehand. It gets maybe with the same nefesh, but a different ruach, etc. You never, with the same nefesh, but not the same ruach. The ruach comes differently. And essentially, that means that when it comes down, back down to this world, that nefesh comes back with a different ruach, a different aspect of that, that previous soul. And meaning it comes down with a new, uh, a new aspect that was different than the previous time it came down, etc., etc. Um, 
And this is different than the way it happened beforehand. And obviously this is very complicated. I'm not the one to speak of great things like this. Um, but um, we see here that Hashem Bach never does the same thing twice. And that's the main focus of what Rabbein was talking about. Basically implying that things most constantly uh, improve with Hashem Bach. Things are constantly changing. And um, Hashem Bach is never staying at the same place. Meaning, even though we say, I am Hashem, I have not changed. The idea is not changing with the idea of the Torah, etc. But with Hashem Barach, Hashem never does the same thing twice. He himself might not change. But he's renewing the world constantly. He's constantly redoing and renewing the world. Essentially, Hashem is renewing over and over. We're going to discuss Olam now. The world to come. Which we all long for and wait for. And all hope for. One time Rabbeinu spoke about the greatness, the goodness of what we call the world to come. That a person is able to attain, that a person is able to merit through serving Hashem genuinely. Rabbeinu answered and he said, We are forced, obliged to call this the name of good, to give it, to give it the adjective of good, quote unquote good. Because it's impossible to call it in another name to make it relatable to people. You can't give the world to come another adjective to make it relatable to us. But the truth is that the world to come is so awesome that even the word good is not applicable to say about it. It's not fitting. It's not appropriate. Klomach. Meaning to say, meaning it's even a much more above good, it's much greater than the concept of good, this world to come. So much that we don't even really understand how big this is. We think good is the best thing possible. Imagine if there was another adjective that good does not even compare to. We would be yearning for that, striving for that. That's the world to come. It's so good, it's impossible to describe it. The good is not even a good word for it. But it's impossible to make it more relatable to be human beings unless we, unless if we use the term of good. But truthfully, the eye has never seen this. Uh, only Hashem has seen this. As we see in Yeshaya, chapter 64, verse 3. That no eye has ever seen this and therefore no one can describe this appropriately. There's no word in the in the in the in the language, in any language that can adequately describe and um, sufficiently tell us how awesome this place is. And the last siman for today, siman nun vav. Yesh bnei adam shenidme alehem shemach rechokim ezet avot kodolot kegon tabat manon lechalit abazeh. It seems to some people that they may be very far from great desires, right, from great lusts. For example, the lust of money, etc. For example, some person may not feel that he has a lust for money at all. Rabbeinu says though, about this person, Dano, that nonetheless, even though you might not feel the desire for money, for example, or you might not be so uh, desiring after food, whatever it might be, you might not care so much about honor, whatever it might be. It's actually possible that you are so entrenched and you are even more disgusting. And you are more 
entrenched in that desire than your other friend who is also entrenched in it. Even though it might seem to you that you don't even have a desire for honor, you don't even have a desire to, to run after wealth, it's so possible that you're actually entrenched in it even more and you stink with this desire even more than your friend is who's in it also. Why? Rabbeinu explains this phenomenon to explain why a person might feel this way. He says that the reason why a person might feel that he's not in, he, he isn't so bad with his desire that he's not so affected by it that he isn't entrenched in it is simply because he might actually have another desire which he's so entrenched in and he's so sunken into this desire that even the desire for money or etc. whatever the desire that we were discussing earlier even the desire for money which is such a big desire I've never said the desire for money is the biggest one of all it's the hardest one to defeat even the desire for money which is massive is completely nullified vis-a-vis the desire which you're so entrenched in. Meaning, Rabbeinu says, you can be entrenched in such another desire, whether it could be, God forbid, for immorality, that the desire for money isn't even, doesn't even affect you because you're so entrenched in the other desire, so focused on the other one. We see that actually he's even more disgusting than his friend who's entrenched in the desire for money. That it's possible that you have such a desire for money, but in comparison to the other desire, which is you're so much more entrenched in, that desire for money seems like nothing to you, but really you actually have a tremendous desire in it and you don't even realize, you're not even conscious of it. And you are so entrenched in this other desire that even this massive desire of money, whatever the case is, is completely nullified and rendered nothing because of the desire that you have for this other thing. And even if that desire which you're so entrenched in right now that makes the other one seem useless, even that desire which you're so entrenched in, even if it's small, smaller and less important than that other desire for money, for example, the desire to have nice clothes is a less smaller desire for money, but you're so entrenched in the desire for clothing that you... Uh, I'm just giving a stupid example. But the desire for clothing, that, that what do you call it? That the desire for money becomes rendered nothing unimportant in your eyes because you're so, you're so focused on clothing, whatever it might be. <clears throat> and even if that desire is smaller, Rabbi was saying, than the other desire which you might be far from, which you might seem you're far from, the truth is it doesn't even matter. It's not even applicable to what you're saying. It's not even true. It's only because you're so entrenched in the other desire, you stink so badly in the other place, that this massive desire, which you also stink in, it makes it seem to you that you don't have that desire at all in the first place because your other desire is so big. But really, truthfully, if you were to remove that other desire, you would still stink in Tavat Mamon as well. And you actually are more entrenched in that desire than your friend, who it seems to you focuses more on it. So Rabbi was saying, it's actually just under the wraps. You just don't see it. This is why we can't judge other people because we ourselves don't even realize how far we are. And this is something so important to judge people positively, to understand that we ourselves are not perfect. We are definitely not perfect. We have a lot of blemishes. And it's only with the chesed of Hashem in that Hashem allows us to do these mitzvot and masim tovim that He gives us the opportunity to do. 
וכמו שמצינו שיש עקשן. And like we find with a stubborn person, כגון תינוק, for example, like a little baby, שבשביל עקשנות לבד יכול להפקיר עצמו לגמרי להכות ראשו בתיבה מחמת עקשנות כנגד אמו שעושה לה להכיס. And we see with a baby, a stubborn baby alone, just by this example we can see that he's willing to give himself up, this little toddler, this little baby, to give up on himself completely, to smack his head against the wall, because he's so stubborn, just to spite his mother, because his mother made him angry, he's willing to hurt himself, not even pay attention to how much he's hurt himself, just to spite his mother, to hit his head against the wall, just to give her, just to make her feel attention, whatever it might be. So too. And we see these babies do this a lot. They, they hurt themselves and pain themselves to get the attention of their mothers who anger them. And they feel angry and they can't look at their mother. They're, they're, they're upset and it's everything. But they, do, they give up on themselves. They literally, they uh, completely ignore the pain in which they're hitting their head on the wall for the better purpose of just trying to serve a, a lesson to their mom. Essentially, it's the same way with this Taba. Same is true of us. We're so stubborn and such a... And it could be the smallest tava, but we're so stubborn in it. And even the biggest tava in comparison to it becomes nothing. But it doesn't mean that the other desire isn't something, uh, what do you call it, big on its own. We still stink. If you were to go to that desire, it would still be terrible. And the same is true of any single human being. He's able to give himself up to remove all the desires for the sake of one stubborn, overpowering ta'ava that makes everything else seem uh, like nothing in his eyes, seem for naught. And this is uh, something that makes us recognize that really if this is the case with each and, every one, uh, each and every one of us personally, and I can say this on a personal level too, it comes to show us how far we are, that we don't even realize, we don't even realize how, how far we are from true consciousness. And recognizing that we are very far from breaking our desires. And the main thing is that we should. May Hashem grant us the ability to um, break our desires one by one. As Ravanu teaches us. And uh, until we break everything, even the desire for pride, which will remain with a person even after he breaks everything else. Ravanu teaches us the most amazing and incredible inyan. Lesson 52 of Likud Moran. He says that even when you break every single desire, there's still one desire left. And that's a desire of pride. Because by the fact that you broke everything, you have nothing left. That in itself is a desire for pride because you feel high about yourself. You feel good about yourself that you broke everything. That's the last desire that remains with a person. And that too you have to break. So, may we break everything, even the pride that remains with us when we have nothing left. And uh, God willing, apply Rabbanu's advice here. And to be conscious about this, to discuss this with Hashem Itbach and Ibodudud. To speak to Hashem Bach about our problems, about our desires, even the ones that we don't even see, or even desires in the first place, even the ones we don't even recognize. That too, we have to tell Hashem Bach to help us open up our eyes and see where we stand. Hashem.